Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody feeling good? It feels good to be upright again. I'm happy to be back. Um, if you're new with us, my name's Brian. I'm the lead pastor here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, had some uh, crazy surgery stuff and thankful just to be upright again. And I want to say thank you to all you guys for uh, just your prayers. And so many of you guys sent, uh, you sent text and uh, some of you sent food. And there's extra blessing on those people who did that. I'll just say that. <laughs> so we really are grateful. I'm kidding. We're really grateful for that. And uh, it was just uh, the, the whole process has been crazy. Um, but I'm slowly getting better day by day. And I look much better when I'm standing up or like when I'm moving around on my feet. It's when I go to sit down or if I drop something, it adds like 50 years to me, okay? So if, if you see my water bottle drop, please someone just run up and grab it, because if not, it's going to get real weird and ugly quick. I'm going to take my shoe off. I'm going to have to grab it with my toes like a chimpanzee. That's what I've been doing at the house, because they told me I can't bend. And so, but uh, all that to say, I'm just really grateful to be back and thankful for you guys' prayer and concern for me. Um, one funny story, we were traveling back from Wichita after the surgery, and uh, we took my son Carter with us. Um, he's five, if you don't know. And uh, I'm in the front seat up there just in a lot of pain. And he leans forward and he says, Daddy, he said, Daddy, I'm, I'm sorry for your surgery. I feel bad for your surgery. And my heart was like, oh, that's so kind and so sweet. And I looked over at my wife and I said, you know, Carter would make a good pastor. He's really compassionate and he's kind. And he goes, Daddy, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a stormtrooper. <laughs> so... All the Star Wars fans in the room, he's going to be a stormtrooper. He said, I just love the dark side too much. And I'm like, oh, boy, we got to pray harder for this kid. we got to pray harder for him. Uh, that's a true story. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's good to be back. And um, if it is your first time, we just say welcome. We're happy that you're here. Welcome those joining us online as well. And uh, we've been in a series called The Story for the past few weeks. And this is going to actually carry us uh, all the way through to next semester, to the spring of next semester. Uh, everybody have their story Bibles? Let's raise those up in the air. Let's make sure everybody's got our story Bibles. All right. If you're, uh, if, if you know Everett Rogers, his diffusion of innovation. If you're one of those, if you're not one of the early adopters, one of those people on the front part of the spectrum that got your book early and you're on the further end of the spectrum on the other side, stop in the lobby today and grab your story Bible, okay? They're really cheap. Uh, stop by there and grab one and read ahead. So for this week, you read chapter four. For next week, you're going to read there we go. I'm making sure you're awake. That's good. Chapter 5 will be for next week, and uh, we're really enjoying working through this. I've enjoyed studying through it with you guys as well, and uh, excited to, uh, to hear what God has for us today. Um, before we find out, let's pray, and uh, then we'll jump in, all right? Lord, we're thankful for the chance to open your word. Um, God, we're thankful for the beautiful story that you've written uh, of redemption and deliverance today that we're going to talk about. And uh, we just pray, as always, that you would help uh, your Holy Spirit to move freely uh, throughout every heart and every seat in this room. And uh, I pray that we would leave today changed and not the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin today with a question for you as we jump in. We've got a lot to cover, but I want to ask you this question as we start. Have you ever wondered if your life was a part of something bigger? Have you ever thought that? Is my life a part, is what I'm doing a part of something bigger? And there's been countless books and movies that have been made to this end, right? And you might remember the, uh, the movie The Matrix that came out several years ago and kind of asked the question, is there something going on under the surface? Is there something bigger happening? Maybe you for yourself, you've asked or you've looked at your own life and you've thought, I feel like what I'm doing is not really accomplishing much. I want to be a part of something bigger. How do I do that? And then we, we kind of look in our culture and and sometimes we kind of get deceived a little bit when we look at culture because what's very common and very easy for most of us to do is to look at people like celebrities and athletes and political figures who have the spotlight and have stages of some sort, of some sort of platform. And we say, those are the people that are making a difference. Those are the people that, are, that have the biggest influence. And honestly, I think it's probably not true most of the time. 
I heard one writer say that uh, human beings are often poor judges of impact. And, and here's what I think, in fact, is when we get to heaven, uh, when God is passing out the rewards and crowns for what we've done in this life, there are going to be a lot of people that are called to the front and given a ton of rewards, and you'll have never, ever once heard their name. Never once. Because see, the things that you do day in and day out, even though you might not see some of the big picture effect that it has, there's something big that's happening. And so here's the reality I want us to talk about just for a few moments today. One life can make an exponential difference, but it requires something. One life can make an exponential difference in the big picture, but it requires something. Now, up to this point, let's review a little bit of what we've covered in the story so far. So we've got the timeline that we're going to throw up here, and you can kind of look through it. I know it's kind of small print, okay? Uh, it's not your eyes, it's just small print, okay? But if you look at the left side of our, of our timeline there, you can see, uh, I'll read it for you, creation. We talked about Adam and Eve and the creation of the world and the fall of man. We talked about Cain and Abel. Uh, we talked about the flood a little bit. We talked about uh, the Tower of Babel. We didn't talk about it on the weekend, but the story did there in chapter 1. Um, and then the following week, Chad, did a great job of talking about Abraham and the covenant promise that God made to Abraham to make him the father of many nations. You know, the story of Abraham and Isaac, his son, who God asked him to sacrifice, and he saved him there at the last minute. Then you keep moving forward. And then last week, Chad also talked about Joseph and many of the trials and tribulations that Joseph encountered. And then at the end, the, the triumph of him becoming the second in power in Egypt and, and preserving the line of Israel, the, the people of Israel from starvation. And so today, what we're going to do is the next character that we're going to talk about, uh, his name is Moses. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Now, if you've ever been to Sunday school or you've ever been to vacation Bible school or you've ever heard anything about Moses, you probably conjure up the same image in your mind that I do. This old man with a big white beard and a big staff. You know what I mean? That's what I imagine when I think of Moses because in every cartoon or every flannel graph I've ever seen, that's what he looks like, right? He's got the staff. And I'm imagining him, you know, holding his staff up and Aaron, his brother, helping him and imparting the red sea and them walking out of Egypt and him delivering the children of Israel. And we're going to get to that part, okay? But the, the but early part of Moses' life was pretty interesting. And we heard a little bit about it there in the video today, but Moses barely made it past birth, if you look at the story. Um, as as the, the, the uh, video told us a moment ago, uh, the, the, the Pharaoh in Egypt got a little insecure about how quickly the children of Israel were growing. The, the nation was growing too large. And, and what it actually tells us there in Exodus is that he was afraid that if they partnered up, if the children of Israel partnered up with one of the uh, enemy nations of Egypt, that they could maybe take over Egypt. And so he got really insecure and he made them work as slaves. And he was a really bad taskmaster to them. He treated them very, very harshly, the scriptures tell us. And they tre he treated them very poorly. And he even, as the video said, he, he commanded that all the Hebrew boys, baby boys, be thrown into the Nile River and killed so that they couldn't continue uh, to promote more and more and more babies, uh, male babies in the children of Israel. Well, as most mothers would be, Moses' mother uh, was unable, couldn't bring herself to throw her baby into the Nile River. Uh, and so she kind of sort of obeyed Pharaoh, but kind of not. She put him in the Nile, but not in the way that Pharaoh had told, him, told her to put him in the Nile, right? She made the basket, put him in the bulrushes. And uh, as we found out, if you read, read ahead, uh, that Pharaoh's daughter of all people finds him and actually raises him as her own child. Well, as you saw a few moments ago on the screens, he ends up killing an Egyptian in defense of one of the Hebrew people. Um, and Pharaoh actually tries to kill him. And he chases him out and he runs out into the wilderness and he sits down by a well uh, in the wilderness in a place uh, called Midian. All right. 
And while he's there, he meets several women. They were sisters, and they were coming to water their flocks. Well, as they were doing it, there were some shepherds that came up and gave them a hard time. And Moses flexed, and he ran them off. It's a true story. It's what it says. All right, he ran them off, and they were like, oh, this guy's amazing. And they went back to their father, and long story short, he gives one of them to Moses to marry. And he gets married to this lady named Zipporah. He has a couple kids. And so that's kind of the 30-second the overview, the two-minute overview of where, what brought Moses to here now. Moses spends about 40 years in the wilderness in Midian just being a regular dad, a regular husband, a regular worker. We're going to find out that he was actually a shepherd. He took care of his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. That's what the story is going to tell us. He was doing commonplace things for 40 years out in the wilderness. But during this time, what the story tells us is that the Israelites groaned in their slavery, is what it says. And God's people, if they were to continue on the course they were, they were on in, in the slavery that they were a part of underneath that Pharaoh, they would eventually have been annihilated. But God had a plan. And he heard his people's cry. And this is where we pick up the story today. If you've got your books on page 45, go ahead and go to paragraph. It's about paragraph 6. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, Jethro is a good name, isn't it? I like that. Sounds like it's from like the Beverly Hillbillies or something like that, you know? Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, <clears throat> and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now pause there for a minute. Moses minding his own business, going through the normal daily routine of taking the sheep out, letting them graze. He was doing his normal daily job, just ho-hum, mundane, uh, everyday things that he's doing, tending after the flocks of his father-in-law. And he's walking around looking for a place for his sheep to eat, and he sees this bush. But the interesting thing about the bush is it's not just on fire, it's on fire and it won't burn away and burn up, okay? And like any red-blooded male, he's lured in at the sight of fire. All the men said amen, right? Right? Something about fireworks and bonfires and smoke, you know, it just pulls us in. I mean, we almost cause another accident looking at a car on fire or smoking on the side of the road, don't we? That's just the way we are, man. We got we to come to grips with it. It's okay. Well, Moses is no different. He goes over to see what it is as he's tending the flocks. Now, what I think is interesting about where we're at in the story at this point is that Moses wasn't doing anything amazing or, or, or extraordinary when God spoke to him. You know, he was just being faithful in the small daily things, and that made him a candidate for God to use. And I think there's a lesson in that for us Christians. Um, you know, it's easy for us to look at our lives. And as we think, man, I want to make a difference. I want to be a part of that big picture like we talked about a moment ago. It's easy for us to look at our lives and say, you know, my life is nothing great. You know, I get up in the morning, I read my Bible for a little bit, and I pray for a few minutes, and I help the kids get off to school, and I go to work, and then I come home, and I have dinner, and I sit down, and I fall asleep watching Netflix for about 30 minutes, and then I get up, and I do it all over again, right? And you can feel like, man, what I'm doing isn't preparing me for anything. And why am I even being faithful in the small things? Listen, Moses was just being faithful in the small things. And God called him to do great things. And the same is true for you. And whatever it is you're doing today, those, don't despise those small things. Don't look down or think they're not worth anything, those small things that you do every day. Because when you're faithful in the small things, that gives God the ability to use you for great things. Amen? He's excited about it. I am too. That's good. All right. 
Keep going here, page 45. When the Lord saw, you see that paragraph? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, everybody say Moses. And Moses does what any one of you should ever do if you encounter a plant that's on fire and it knows your name, all right? He humbly says, here I am, Lord, here I am, all right? So imagine for a minute, I know like you've probably read this story before. This is a burning bush that's talking to a human, okay? And it sounds crazy. It sounds so far-fetched, but put yourself there and don't just gloss over that, all right? Imagine you're like halfway between here and Southwind because for people that live in Garden City, they think Southwind is the wilderness for a lot of time. You know, they won't go out there. But imagine you're halfway in the desert between here and Southwind and you see a bush that is on fire, but it's not burning up. And you go up to it and it starts talking to you, okay? Put yourself really in Moses' his shoes here for a minute, all right? Now he goes over to see the bush. It, it calls out to him and he says, here I am. Well, God speaks to him and he says, Moses, take your shoes off because the place on which you stand is holy ground. Don't bring your dirty sandals over here. It was symbolic. Don't bring your dirty sandals on the ground here where I am speaking to you. He says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. But then he does something that again is easy for us to gloss over and move past without thinking about. He introduces himself in a way that he only introduces himself to special people. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. See, this was an introduction that was used for the patriarchs when God spoke to them in the Old Testament. And what this did when he introduced himself to Moses in this way, it emphasized Moses as a member of God's covenant people. Now think about it for a minute, all right? Moses has been out in the wilderness for 40 years not having heard from God the whole time he's out there. He, he tried to take things into his own hands and protect God's people when he killed that Egyptian and we saw how that turned out, right? And he's been out in the wilderness for 40 years probably wondering, is God ever going to use me again? Is God ever going to speak to me again? And then God addresses him after 40 years. He's been out playing in the sand and chasing sheep. Addresses him as a member of God's covenant people, just like he addressed Abraham when he went to him and said, I'm going to promise you, you're going to have a, a family. You're going to be the father of many nations and the Messiah is going to come through you. That's how he addresses a simple shepherd going through the day-to-day -day routine from the burning bush in the middle of the wilderness. That's big stuff right there. Now, this is what God says. Look at page 46. God says to Moses, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If you're taking notes, the first thing is this. God calls Moses to do something that Moses can't do on his own. God calls Moses to do something that Moses can't do on his own. See, God sees the misery of his people in Egypt and he says, Moses, you're going to be the guy to go and rescue them. You, the simple shepherd who's been out in the wilderness for 40 years and hasn't heard from me for a long time, you're going to be the guy that leads them out. Now imagine again what Moses is thinking here. God, this is, it's been 40 years since I've heard from you. You know, you could have at least sent a text between now and then, you know. You're going, to send, you're going to send me? <laughs> and what he does is he, he remembers back to Egypt because it had been 40 years, but he hadn't forgotten how things went down in Egypt. So he knew that the Pharaoh did what the Pharaoh wanted to do when he wanted to do it, and no one told the Pharaoh what to do. 
See, they, they, actually, in those times, they would look at these pharaohs as deities of sorts, as gods. They, they, no one told a pharaoh what to do, and no one certainly walked up in front of a pharaoh and said, hey, I want you to let your free labor go right out the door, and I want you to send them out with all the spoils of Egypt. That's what the story tells us, right? That when they leave Egypt eventually, that pharaoh and, and all of his people put all these jewels and, and things on the children of Israel, and they walk out with it. See, <laughs> Moses says, God, you know, I, I remember how things went down in Egypt. It's been a while, but I remember. And, and you're calling me to do this? This is, this is bigger than me. And so he starts giving excuses. Look what he says. Page 46, keep going. But Moses said to God, who am I? Everybody say, who am I? <laughs> that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses says, I can't do this, God. God, what you're asking me to do, what you're calling me to do is bigger than me. I can't do it. Who am I? I can't go confront Pharaoh. You saw what happened the last time that I tried to fix things and help. I messed it up. That's why I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm just trying to mind my own business. Listen, God, I know you want to do some big stuff, but I'm content to stay right where I am. God, who am I that you would call me? And then he gives another excuse. Now, this one's not mentioned in the story, but if you were to read the book of Exodus, you'd see he actually, the next excuse he gives is number two of four. He tells God, the people aren't even going to believe that you spoke to me. He said, whenever I go to the children of Israel and I tell them, God sent me to, to set you guys free, they're going to say, God hasn't spoken to you. God didn't tell you to do that. They're not going to believe me. That was excuse number two. He continues with excuse number three. Look at the story, page 46. Moses said, this is, this is the best one. I like this one. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. I can't speak well, neither in the past nor since you've been speaking to your servant right here at the bush. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Moses says, God, I understand you want to go use me for this, but this is, this is too much. I I'm not a very good speaker. This is too big for me. I, I stutter. I, I can't talk in front of people. I have a southern accent, you know. I don't know. I, I can say that because I'm from the south, all right. He, maybe he had a wilderness accent at this point. He'd been out there for 40 years. Maybe he picked this up. I don't know what it was. But he says, God, I'm not very good at speaking, so the people aren't going to listen to me. When I stand in front of Pharaoh, I'm going to stutter and I'm going to stammer and I'm not going to get what you want uh, accomplished. I can't do this, God. I can't talk well. And then his final excuse was kind of more of a question than an excuse. God proves a few different things that he's going to do and how he's going to be with Moses. And Moses says, God, can't you just send someone else? There's so many more people on this earth that could go do a better job at this than me. Can't you just send someone else? It says at this that God's anger burned at Moses. Now that puts a whole new meaning to the phrase playing with fire, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he says God's anger burned toward him, and he continues to give him even more reasoning. And, you know, we look at this, and you say God's right in front of him in the burning bush speaking to him, and he just continues to resist God's call. Now, let me say this. If you're in the room today and you're a skeptic, or maybe you're just checking out this whole God church thing, and you're wondering, is this all made up? Like, is this just some made up story? Let me just tell you. The, the, the realness and the humanness we see right here in Moses should be some proof that what we're talking about is legitimate. Because look, if I'm making up a story about a hero that's going to go stand up to Pharaoh, like I'm picking someone that's like has rippling muscles like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm picking the guy who when God calls him and says, go rescue my people, I'm choosing you to rescue my people. I'm picking the guy that's like, of course you are, God. Okay, I got this. 
That's the guy I'm picking. But why in the world they include all these excuses and arguments and inadequacies that Moses has, and yet God uses him to do amazing things. Eventually we're going to see. This is a real interaction between a human being and the God of the universe. And for the Christians in the room, you might be thinking, well, how could Moses resist the voice of God? How could when God tells him specifically what he wants to do, how could he just give him a bunch, bunch of excuses? But if we're honest, don't we do the same thing sometimes when God calls us to do stuff? God says, hey, I want you to start a new ministry. And you're like, God, who am I? I'm not good at, I'm not good at talking. I'm not, I can't, aren't there, can't you send somebody else? Nobody's going to believe you called me to do this. And we give this list of excuses, just like Moses did. Maybe you're here today and God's been telling you, you need to, it's time for a career change. It's time for a job change. And you're like, God, I, 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 I understand you're calling me to this. Like, I, I, I believe you're calling me to this. But, but listen, I've got these 10 reasons why I can't obey you in this way. Maybe it's a sin issue that you've been wrestling with for a long time. And God's at the point where he's like, enough's enough. You've got to stop this. And you say, I know, but, but, but here's all these reasons why I can't. And we're just like Moses. You know, for some of you, it might be a financial thing. God's been pricking your heart lately about becoming faithful in being generous in giving and tithing. Listen, I know that's a hurdle. That's a big one for a lot of you. And we can make up the excuses. I don't have the room in the budget, God. We had that big bill that just came up. I just, I don't know if I can trust what you're calling me to do. And so we resist and we, and we don't give and we don't live lives of generosity like God's called us to do. I know that's hard to hear, but isn't that true what we do with God many times when he calls us to things? We're just like Moses. Excuse after excuse after excuse. But what Moses finds out and what I want you to understand today is that whatever God calls you to do, you can trust him to be faithful in helping you accomplish it. Look what Moses finds out. If you're taking notes, number two is God proves to Moses why Moses can trust him. God proves to Moses why Moses can trust him. See, God responds to all of his excuses with, I know you can't, but with me, you can. Because see, Moses was right. He couldn't do what God asked him to do on his own. He didn't have it in him. He didn't have it in him to go talk to Pharaoh and release the children of Israel. But look at how God assures him. Now, in this part of the conversation, uh, Moses asked God, God, what should I say when the people of Israel ask me who sent you? What should I tell them? What should I tell them your name is? And look at what God's response is on page 46. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Everybody say that with me. You ready? Go. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, there is a whole lot in this, guys. And we're going to scratch the surface of it a little bit. But I want you to understand something about this. When God addresses himself this way and he tells them this name. See, see names, they meant something in the Old Testament. See, they, they, they weren't just choosing them because they wanted to have all their kids be named with the same first letter like we do. You know what I mean? Like there was meaning to names. There was, there was great weight to it, and especially the names of God. And the words used here, I am who I am, or depending on the translation you have, it might say, I am that I am, are actually some of the most debated in the Old Testament. 
Now, the Hebrew word for I am is closely connected with the Hebrew word for Yahweh. Yahweh is the most common use for the name of God in the Old Testament that we see. But this I am that I am has some other implications to it. Now, they're both kind of connected to this, or they are connected to this verb uh, that's described as to be. The verb to be, we do know that piece of it is woven into both Yahweh and I am who I am. But one of the implications we can definitely draw out of this name is this. Listen closely. God is, I am who I am, means God is who he is and always will be. And he is not determined by anything outside of himself. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it. God is who he is and always will be. And he is not determined by anything outside of himself. And what I believe God's trying to get across to Moses right here in this conversation is he's trying to say, Moses, look, I know you've got arguments as to why you can't do it. I know you've got excuses and I know you've got shortcomings and I know you've got some lacking abilities, Moses. But listen, I am who I am. He says, Moses, I am consistent and I'm faithful and I always will be. I've been faithful from the beginning. I'm faithful now and I'll be faithful into eternity's future. He's saying, Moses, I will never change. I never have and I never will because, Moses, I'm not like you. I'm not limited by things on the outside. I do what I want when I want to because I am God. I am that I am. Does that make sense? Think about it this way. You're Fred. You're Bill. You're Moira, whatever your name is. I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. Everybody say nice to meet you. And you guys, just like me, this is very true. Think about this. The Brian I am today, or the person you are today, right? The Brian I am today is not the Brian I was five years ago. And the Brian I was five years ago isn't the Brian that I was 10 years prior to that, right? And the Brian I was when I was a child is way different sometimes than the Brian I am now, right? We change, don't we, over time. We ebb and we flow. We have, you've had moments in your life and I've had moments in my life where you felt like you were in control, Did, haven't you? We've all had those moments. We're like, I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I can make good choices about things. And there's been other points in your life because of outside circumstances, you felt like everything is coming off the rails. I am out of control. You've had moments where you felt like you've had great power and you probably have. And there's been other times when you felt like I, I am powerless, I have no ability to fix this situation. I have no ability to step into the situation for my family or my loved one or my coworker or whatever it is. Listen to me, church. God does not exist in that way. And this is what he's trying to tell Moses. He says, I am that I am. I am the faithful one. I am the consistent one. And the same God I was at the beginning of creation, the same God that I was when I spoke to Abraham and promised him and made him a covenant is the same God I am today. And he he says, Moses, I am faithful right now while I'm calling you, and I'll be faithful when you stand before that sorry Pharaoh and you tell him to let my people go. I am the same God now as I was in the past, as I will be in the future, because there is nothing outside of me that determines what I do. There is nothing outside of me that can thwart my purposes, because all I do is win. Like that great missionary DJ Khaled says, right? All I do is win. That is God's anthem. It is. 
There is no person or power or government or law that can thwart God's plan because he is constant and faithful and nothing outside of himself determines his purposes or his will. That's a great place to say amen, church. Come on, we can do better than that. That's the God you serve. That's the God Moses served. And he says, Moses, I know you've got excuses. But this is not about you. So you're telling me all these reasons why you can't. Remember Moses' first excuse? Who am I? When God calls himself the I am who I am, he says, what he's saying is, Moses, this is not about you or who you are. This is all about who I am. And listen, whatever God's calling you to do today, I don't care if it's big or small. I don't care if it's financial or relational or something with your family or something with your job, whatever it is. God is faithful, and he always will be when he calls you, and he'll always go with you and accomplish what he's calling you to do. Amen? Now listen, after all this, Moses, after all of his excuses, he finally, he obeys. He does what hopefully a lot of you are going to do at the end of this message. You're going to quit with the excuses, and you're going to obey what God's called you to do. And what we see, now there's a few other things that God gives him, other proofs as to why he can trust him. We don't have time to go there today. Just go back and read chapter 4. There's some really great stuff in there. But what we see is when Moses obeys, number three, God uses Moses because of his obedience, not his ability. God uses Moses because of his obedience, not his ability. See, Moses wasn't changed when he went and stood before Pharaoh, was he? I mean, his beard might have been a little bit longer, right? He might have put on a few more pounds. I don't know. He had a staff in his hand. Remember the staff that he had? Remember when the guy, that whole interchange? That, you need to go back and read that if you didn't read it, all right? God says, throw that staff down on the ground. It turns into a snake, and it says Moses ran from it. It was funny. God says, grab it by the tail. And Moses was like, I don't know about that, God. And he picks it up by the tail, and it turns back into a staff. And he puts his hand into his cloak and pulls it back out, and God makes it leprous. He has leprosy. God says, put it back in your cloak. He puts it back in. comes out, and it's clean. He said, these are the signs you're going to take with you when you go and you're going to stand before Pharaoh and you're going to do these for him. And these are going to prove the power that I have. But listen, Moses wasn't different, was he? He was, the same, he was the same shepherd. He was the same guy playing in the sand, chasing sheep around in the wilderness when he went to stand before Pharaoh. His abilities didn't increase, but it was who was with him that made the difference in the calling that he accomplished. You guys with me? Moses simply obeyed, and he trusted what God said. And if you read the story, what it tells us is Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. They want to go worship out in the wilderness. And at first, Pharaoh refuses. He actually refuses a few times, and he goes back and forth on his word a few times. But after several miraculous plagues, from, from frogs to gnats to the, the, the Nile River turning to blood, as we saw in the video to the death of everyone's firstborn child, including Pharaoh's. Pharaoh changes his mind and he allows God's people to leave. Look what he said, page 52. This is Pharaoh's response after everything that God brought on Egypt. Page 52. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you've requested. You see, on paper, this seems impossible, doesn't it? That a Hebrew shepherd, no education, no nothing, like no real abilities that he brought to the table other than he was willing. 
goes and stands before the most powerful human being in the world, and he talks him in, or asks him to, really, he didn't even talk him into, he just asked him to, let his people go. His free labor workforce that made bricks for him for free, let them go and walk out of Egypt and actually took spoils with them, as I said earlier, out of Egypt. See, it seems impossible on paper. On paper, Egypt and the Pharaoh should have crushed Moses like one of the plagues, like the gnat that he was. If you were a bookie in Egypt at that time and you were taking bets, you would have placed a whole lot of odds on Egypt and on Pharaoh to win. But listen, Moses was used to deliver the people just like God promised him at the burning bush, not because of what he brought to the table, but because he was obedient. And listen, church, this is what you, I want you, if you take nothing else away today, I want you to take this statement with you. For us, God is more concerned about our obedience than our competence. God is more concerned about our obedience than our competence because look, your pastor doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. Probably if each of you are honest, I don't know every single person in here, but you probably don't bring a whole lot to the table. But here's what's beautiful. We don't have to bring anything to the table except an obedient, trusting heart. And God says, if you'll do that, I'll take you and use you to do an amazing thing. So I, I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do today. It has nothing to do, though, with your competence. It has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with your obedience. And so here's the challenge I want to give you. It'll sound simple, but it's actually pretty difficult. Here's your application. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to God's call in your life today. Say yes to whatever God is telling you to do. Whatever it is. It might be some of the things that I mentioned from up here. It might be something completely different that God's calling you to to do. Maybe it's to step out in faith and invite a coworker to come to church with you. Maybe it's to start having a redemptive relationship with a neighbor that lives next door to you and you're like, God, I don't know about this. I don't know my Bible that well. What if they ask me questions? Who am I, God, to go talk to these people? I'd rather just come and take it all in for myself on the weekend and not invite anybody else into this thing with you. And maybe, that, maybe that's it. Maybe it's the financial thing I told you about. God's been working on some of your hearts about giving and tithing again. Listen, you can trust God with whatever he's called you to do. He's faithful. He's the I am that I am. And listen, obedience to God's call in everything is better than anything, church. See, you might think you've got it figured out. You might think your excuses are protecting you, but they're actually holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. Your excuses are holding you back. My excuses are holding me back. And what God is telling us through the story of Moses today is be obedient, even when the call seems difficult. Even when the call seems like it's more than you can do, because it very likely is. I've learned in my life, as I've walked with the Lord since I was a teenager, that most of the things that God calls me to do are things I can't do by myself. He calls me to do things that are bigger than me so that I look to the I am that I am to be faithful and help me through it and give me the power to succeed. And it's no different in your life, church. Now listen, we started, we started our message today. You can close your Bibles. We began today and started the message asking the question, have you ever wondered if your life was a part of something bigger? Well, the answer, in short, is yes, it can be. I want you to reach under your seat. Each of you have a little puzzle piece underneath your sheet. I want you to reach under there and grab that puzzle piece. I want you to think about this with me for a minute before we go. Help your neighbor if they need help. Take a look at that puzzle piece that you have there in your hand. Look at the curves and the edges of it. 
Every piece is uniquely shaped and it's uniquely colored, isn't it? Every one of them is different. But more than that, each piece is created for a specific purpose to play its part in the big picture of that puzzle, right? See, on its own, this is worth nothing, isn't it? I would bet you nowhere in the history of the world did anyone go out in the search of buying one single puzzle piece, did they? Never. Because there's no value in one piece. But when it it contributes itself to the whole of the big picture, that makes all the difference, doesn't it? It's able to play its part in the big picture or for our purposes today, the story. You know, our lives are, they're a lot like a puzzle piece, aren't they? Most people, unfortunately, they live for their own peace. They do what serves their purposes. They do what makes them happy. They do what they want to do when they want to do it. They make excuses when things seem bigger than themselves so they can protect their one little peace. And unfortunately, so many people live and die and they go in the ground having done nothing for the big picture. See, that's the, that's the safe play. That's the careful play. But what if every person in this room today, listen, we want to talk about revival in our city. What if every person in this room said, you know what, today, God, I'm going to stop living for my peace and I'm going to start living for the big picture. And I'm going to offer myself by being obedient and trusting whatever you're calling me to do to be a part of the big picture and a part of the story that you're writing today in Garden City. What would your life look like? What would our city look like? Have you guys seen the news lately? There ain't nothing positive in the news. What if we rose up and said, just like Moses, he was reluctant at first, and maybe some of you are too, but what if like Moses, we said, God, you can take my peace and use it to make a difference in the big story. You see, Moses was used to, for all purposes, change the world. He, because he was obedient and offered himself, even though he wasn't worth much on his own, he offered his peace and said, God, use me. And he was the reason that the children of Israel were protected and preserved. And eventually the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came because of the protection and the obedience of Moses. Now, that's a cool story of deliverance. But did you know God's writing another story today? Right here in our city and all over the world, really, if we're honest. So I don't know if you guys know this, but God's in the saving business. God's in the restoration business. God is in the business of breaking chains and restoring marriages and creating healthy families. And here's the cool thing. He's inviting each one of us to be obedient and play our part in the big picture of what he's doing right here in our city. And all he's asking for is us to be obedient. He didn't say, he didn't say you got to go get a degree. He didn't say you've got to work on your skills and your abilities. And when you got enough to bring to the table, then offer me your peace. No, he says, bring me your peace and I'm going to make you a part of something way bigger than yourselves. And let me just tell you, church, when you offer up that peace like Moses did, buckle up and hold on for the right of your life. Because like Moses changed the world, God wants to change our city. But it's going to take us stopping the excuses and offering our peace to the big picture of the story. Amen? He doesn't need you to be great. 
He just needs you to be obedient. So today, would you, would you trust him and obey whatever he's telling you to do? Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're, um, we're just so grateful for the way that you've just moved in our presence today. God, your spirit has moved freely, God, and I'm just grateful for the receptivity of our people as we've opened your word. God, help us to apply it. God, don't let the enemy steal the seed that's been sown this morning. God, let us go out and be changed. God, give us a fire and a burden to be a part of the big story of salvation and redemption that you're writing here in Garden City, God. God, set a greater fire even in my heart for those that are lost around us, that we work, work around, that we see in the shopping, shopping mart, that we see in our neighborhoods, God. God, help us to courageously offer our peace, trusting you, the great I am, is going to be faithful. Because, God, we know you will. And we know the end of the story when we trust in your faithfulness and not our own. It's victory. It's triumph. So, God, give courage to every person to the sound of my voice this morning. And there'll be one here that doesn't know you. God, draw them into a relationship with you right now and help them to trust you and obey and be saved for the very first time. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Moses and the way you used him. Use us. In Jesus' name, amen.